March 19, 2004. It's 11.20 p.m. and 17-year-old Brianna Maitland just finished her shift at work. Her co-workers invited her to stay and hang out, but she declined the invitation. She had an early shift at her second job the next morning and needed to go home and rest. Her co-workers watched her enter her car and drive off. None of them knew they would never see her again. Her car was found one mile down the road backed up against an abandoned farmhouse. Connections with drug dealers and other murders became the main focal points in the investigation of her disappearance. Searches were made throughout the Vermont area as her family pleaded with law enforcement to continue the search and take all tips that come in seriously. From being thrown in a river to being killed over a drug dispute with her dealer and being held hostage in a drug house were only some of the endless tips that whirled around the disappearance of Brianna Maitland. Dead end after dead end has left both police and her family grasping for explanations. The trunk of her car was filled with her belongings, her history of drug use came to light, apparent doppelgangers being spotted around the tri-state area has all made the case of learning what really happened to the teenager all the more confusing. It has been almost two decades since Brianna Maitland disappeared that night, and investigators are no closer now to solving it than they were back in 2004. She came from a small community. Surely someone saw something. Does no one in the area know anything about what happened to her? Was she taken? Did she run away? Is she still alive? What happened to Brianna? Will we ever know? Or will it be a mystery forever? Welcome to Awareness, a podcast dedicated to shedding light on unsolved cases of missing persons and homicides. Join us as we delve into the depths of these mysteries, striving to bring answers and closure to the families affected. Each episode will explore the details of a different case, combining factual information, expert analysis, and heartfelt narratives to create an immersive and gripping listening experience. Our mission is to raise awareness about these unresolved cases, to ensure that the voices of the victims are heard, and to encourage the public to come forward with any possible leads or information. Through thought-provoking discussions and in-depth research, we aim to keep these cases alive in the collective consciousness, giving hope to those seeking justice. By sharing these stories, we hope to spark conversations, ignite empathy, and inspire action within our listeners. Together, we can make a difference and help bring closure to these haunting mysteries. Tune in to awareness and become part of a movement dedicated to uncovering the truth and honoring the lives of those lost in the shadows. This episode is about the disappearance of Brianna Maitland, a 17-year-old girl who disappeared on March 19, 2004, after work. Despite numerous searches, she has never been found. Brianna Alexandria Maitland was born on October 8, 1986, in Burlington, Vermont. B or Brie, as she was known to her family and friends, grew up with her parents, Bruce and Kelly and her older brother, Waylon. Their home in East Franklin was 300 feet from the Canadian border and had a mile-long driveway surrounded by woods. Brianna grew up in an off-the-grid household, meaning there was no electricity, which meant she did not have a television, microwave, or stove. However, she still made the most of life, her favorite hobby was reading. Brianna's mother, Kelly said, quote, she didn't grow up with a television in the house, so she loved works of the imagination that held meaningful lessons about life. Besides books, she loved the outdoors, music and dancing, and she was highly skilled in the martial art of jiu-jitsu, having taken several years of training. End quote. Brianna felt restless because of how isolated she felt living in East Franklin. 
Shauna LaBelle, Brianna's best friend, stated, quote, There's not much to do up there, that's for sure. We like to go four-wheeling or go to the beach at Lake Carmi. All of Brianna's friends and family described her as a young independent headstrong woman who was too brave for her own good. They all knew how much of a caring person she was. Bruce explained that Brianna would always stand up for anyone who was bullied, no matter how the outcome affected her. Shauna said, quote, she would always stand up for anyone who was picked on and she really cared about people who had very little or were downtrodden, even though her own parents had to work so hard to make ends meet. End quote. As a caring person, Brianna saw the best in everyone, regardless of their character, which led to her being naive about making good decisions. Kelly recalled a time when she came home and found a hitchhiker in her house. Brianna had picked one up from the side of the road and invited them back to their home. Brianna started high school at Mississippi Valley Union High School. Her friends and peers viewed her as the hottest girl in school who looked good in any outfit. Despite how highly everyone thought of her, Brianna was still unhappy. According to Shauna, quote, Brianna didn't have a lot of friends, not a lot of people understood her or gave her a chance. She was always worried about her looks, or her reputation, or how she was doing in school, but it didn't ever seem to turn out the way she wanted it to. End quote. By 2002, Brianna's desire for independence and growing restlessness had reached a breaking point. Tensions within her family's home became unbearable, leading her father Bruce to temporarily move out. Feeling compelled to follow in his footsteps, Brianna made the decision to leave as well. Bruce proposed the idea of renting an apartment in Enosburg, allowing Brianna to attend Enosburg High School. However, their plans fell through, and Bruce eventually returned home while Brianna sought alternative arrangements. She briefly stayed with her boyfriend before finding solace in the company of her friend Katie Manning. Although Bruce and Kelly didn't support her decision to move out, they tolerated it out of love for their daughter. Unfortunately, Brianna's living situation remained unstable. By December, she had moved out of Katie's home, yet she still refused to return to her parents' house. As a result, she resorted to couchsurfing, living with boyfriends, and even spending time sleeping in her car. The constant turmoil and lack of stability took a toll on Brianna's academic performance, leading her to drop out of high school in February 2004. With no clear direction, she began making questionable choices, finding herself immersed in parties and associating with the wrong crowd. One fateful night, on February 27, 2004, Brianna attended a party where she encountered a former friend, Keely Lacrosse. Their friendship had soured due to shared romantic interests, particularly a boy named James Robitaille. The tension escalated after Keeley discovered that James had cheated on her with Brianna during her absence. The party became the backdrop for a heated confrontation between Keeley and Brianna. Overwhelmed by the situation, Brianna sought refuge in James's truck, hoping to avoid further conflict. However, Keeley approached the vehicle and demanded Brianna roll down the window. What followed was a brutal physical assault, leaving Brianna with a broken nose, two black eyes, and a concussion. Despite her training in martial arts, Brianna chose not to fight back. The following day, Kelly, recognizing the severity of the situation, took her to the hospital. Brianna filed a criminal complaint against Keeley, seeking justice for the assault she endured. The traumatic incident with Keeley became a turning point for Brianna. Determined to get her life back on track, she sought refuge with her friend Jillian Stout in Sheldon. 
she distanced herself from the party scene, enrolled in a GED equivalency program at a local community college, and began working two jobs to support herself while making plans for her college education. March 19, 2004 was a big day for Brianna. Her final GED exam was scheduled for that afternoon, so her mother took her out to breakfast. Since Brianna moved out of the house, her relationship with her mother was strained and they only saw each other a few days a week. With her final exam over and done with, her mother took her shopping to celebrate her presumed passing. While waiting in line to pay for a pair of black plants Brianna needed to meet the dress code at her second job, Brianna noticed something out in the parking lot and left the store after telling Kelly she would return. But Brianna never came back. After Kelly paid for the pants, she met Brianna in the parking lot. Kelly noticed Brianna appeared to be agitated and frightened. On the car ride back to Sheldon, Brianna kept telling Kelly she needed to get home to get ready for work. Kelly wondered what caused Brianna's mood change so much, but didn't pry further to respect her daughter's privacy. Kelly dropped Brianna off between 3 to 4 p.m., and after they exchanged their goodbyes, Brianna went inside the home she shared with her friend Jillian to get ready for work. Kelly drove away, not realizing this was going to be the last time she saw her daughter. After Brianna got ready for her shift at the Black Lantern Inn, she left Jillian a note that said, quote, I get off work between 10 and 12. I'll see you after. End quote. As a dishwasher, Brianna did not have a specific time that her shifts would end. She had to stay until the kitchen was clean and so her shifts and times varied. During Brianna's shift, her co-workers recalled it was a busy night, but nothing eventful occurred and Brianna appeared to be her usual self. But Brianna had only been working at the Black Lantern Inn for a few weeks and didn't have strong relationships with her co-workers yet. So, they might not have been able to see if she was acting unusual or different than normal. Bruce and Kelly went out to dinner that night and ended up passing by the Black Lantern Inn on their way home. Kelly suggested they stop in to check on Brianna. Bruce considered the notion, but decided they shouldn't. When asked later what led to his decision, he said, quote, she hadn't worked there that long, and it was like, well, you know, maybe she wouldn't want her parents coming in and you know, hi, here we are type thing, so we didn't stop. And you know, I mean, you know, now I wish very much that we would have stopped. End quote. Brianna clocked out of work at 11.20 night, declining her co-worker's invitation to hang out. She had a shift at her second job the next morning and needed rest. As she left the building, her co-workers watched her drive off into the night. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary, and nobody noticed anyone else in her car. Less than an hour later, Brianna's car was discovered nearly two miles away from her workplace. It was parked in the driveway of the old Dutchburn house, which held a haunting history. The house belonged to the Dutchman brothers, Mike and Harry, who were known for carrying significant amounts of cash. In 1986, they were victims of a violent home invasion, leaving them forever scarred. During the invasion, two men demanded gasoline from the brothers, though they had none to offer. The confrontation escalated as the men broke down the front door. Mike bravely fought back but was overpowered and assaulted. Harry, too, fell victim to the attackers. The culprit stole $6,000 from Harry's pocket before fleeing the scene. The intruders, Daryl Clark and Louis Gilbo, were later apprehended and sentenced to prison. Though the Dutchman brothers received a settlement and implemented security measures, their lives were forever changed. 
They suffered from paranoia and insomnia, eventually moving into nursing facilities before passing away. The connection between Brianna's disappearance and the Dutch burn house remains unclear. There is no tangible evidence tying the two events together. Nonetheless, the discovery of Brianna's car in the driveway raises questions and adds an air of mystery to the situation. The morning after Brianna's disappearance, a group of tourists spotted Brianna's car. They approached the scene to examine the car. They found loose change, a water bottle, and a broken necklace scattered on the ground by the driver's door. Realizing how unusual the scene was, the group took pictures. Those pictures would be the only available pictures of the scene released to the public. A state trooper responded to the calls made about the car backed into the abandoned Dutchburn house. After he arrived on scene at 1.20 p.m., he noticed the car had been backed up in reverse and parked close to the house. It appeared that the car had been intentionally backed up right into the building. The back bumper had penetrated the wall and was resting on the foundation, lifting the rear tires of the car into the air. A piece of plywood that had been nailed over one of the barn's broken windows had fallen on top of the car's trunk. The trooper noted that the car did not appear to have lost control at any point, there were no skid marks or anything to indicate that it had run off the road. It appeared that it had been deliberately backed up into the building. The keys were missing, but the car was unlocked. The trooper searched the interior and found two paychecks from the Black Lantern and addressed to Brianna Maitland in the front seat. Brianna appeared had been driving the car. The trooper never ran the car's plates or searched the interior for the registration. He assumed the car had been abandoned by a drunk driver which was a common occurrence and had a tow truck tow Brianna's car. Instead of calling Brianna's mother or trying to determine where Brianna Maitland lived, the trooper drove to the Black Lantern Inn to find Brianna. Unfortunately, when he got there, he discovered the restaurant was closed. Little did he know that he had moved a crucial piece of evidence from a crime scene and his actions would cause a delay in Brianna's family and friends realizing she was missing. Brianna's roommate, Jillian returned home on March 22, 2004, after being out of town for the weekend. She discovered the note Brianna had left her was still intact and realized Brianna had never come home from her shift. She initially wasn't concerned and assumed Brianna had just gone to her parents' house after work. But the next day, Brianna was still M. I. A. So, Jillian called Brianna's mother, asking her if she had seen Brianna. Kelly was surprised when she got Jillian's call on March 23rd. She told Jillian the last time she saw Brianna was last Friday when they went out to breakfast and went shopping before dropping Brianna home, and she hadn't seen or heard from her daughter since. After the call from Jillian ended, Kelly called all of Brianna's friends and learned none of them had seen or heard from her. Kelly began to worry even more and after calling Bruce who was away for work, called the police and reported her daughter missing. Bruce was in New York when he received Kelly's call that Brianna was missing. He drove nonstop to Vermont after the call and spent the day searching all of Brianna's frequent spots with Kelly to no avail. Bruce and Kelly went to the St. Albans Police Department on March 24 to provide pictures of Brianna. While meeting with one of the officers, they were shown a picture taken by the tourist back at the scene where her car was originally first found. Bruce and Kelly were petrified when they saw the picture. Kelly said, quote, My stomach rolled. I started to shake. I saw evil in the picture. End quote. Bruce stated, quote, Now you're terrified to know that something really bad has happened.
End quote. Bruce and Kelly were frustrated that they were not contacted on March 20 when Brianna's car was discovered, especially because the registration was in Kelly's name, not Brianna's. She should have been notified that her car was found abandoned at a rundown property. Commander Daniel Begeebing of the St. Albans Police told Bruce and Kelly that the trooper assumed the car had been abandoned by a drunk driver, which was a common occurrence in that county and would eventually ask police where their car was. That afternoon, Bruce and Waylon met the state trooper who towed Brianna's car to the auto shop. The trooper told Bruce that since the car keys were missing, the trunk had not been opened and searched. Fearing Brianna may have been inside the trunk, Bruce opened it with a crowbar. Much to everyone's relief, Brianna was not inside the trunk, but her migraine medication, contact lens case, ATM card, driver's license, and glasses were. The news of Brianna's disappearance was made public and tips started coming in providing nuggets of information that may help put the pieces of her disappearance together. The first tip Bruce and Kelly received was about a white truck parked near the Black Lantern Inn. A male was heard shouting after midnight but there was nothing more to that tip. A customer was also seen flirting with Brianna during her shift, but nothing more came from that tip either. On March 29, the Black Lantern Inn released the following statement. Quote, the Black Lantern family expresses great concern for the well-being of Brianna Maitland and is distressed at her disappearance. Our thoughts and prayers are with Brianna's family and those involved in searching for her. End quote. Rumors began to circulate about what could have happened to her. Police announced on March 29 that a forensics team was called in to examine Brianna's car. The next day, the examination showed no evidence of a violent struggle or an abduction. Several individuals were also interviewed over that weekend. The Class Kids Foundation joined the search. The Class Kids Foundation was created in 1994 by Mark Class in honor of his 12-year-old daughter, Polly, who was abducted and murdered on October 1, 1993. In reaction to Brianna's disappearance, the foundation created a command center at the town hall in Montgomery and trained 300 search volunteers on how to execute area searches. A search was scheduled from April 1 to April 3. During the second week of the search, numerous tips were being called in, but most lacked any credibility. One tip claimed Brianna was murdered and disposed of on a pig's farm. Another claimed she was dumped in a lake. Lieutenant Thomas Nelson of the St. Albans Police informed the public that they searched the area surrounding where Brianna's car was found with K-9 units and a helicopter from the National Guard but no trace of Brianna was found. However, one promising tip was called in. The tip claimed Brianna was being held hostage at a home in Berkshire known for drug activity. Police searched the home on April 5 but didn't find Brianna or any other evidence that she had ever been in the house. The search did result in the discovery of 6.5 grams of crack cocaine, marijuana, scales, razor blades, small plastic baggies, cutting agents for cocaine, a ledger, and firearms, all of which resulted in the arrests of drug dealers Ramon Ryans and Nathaniel Jackson. Stephanie Machia and Timothy Powell, who were present in the home when police arrived, were also arrested. Ramon Ryans, a.k.a. Street, and Nathaniel Jackson, a.k.a. Lowe, were two known drug dealers from Queens, New York. They rented the Berkshire home and used it as a drug den. All four of those arrested admitted to police that they knew Brianna Maitland but claimed they didn't know what happened to her. Some of Brianna's friends admitted that she had some type of relationship with Ramon and Nathaniel, but extent of those relationships was unknown. 
She attended parties with them and even had Ramon over to her home on one occasion. The arrests of Ryans and Jackson lead to rumors and speculation that Brianna was a drug user and had purchased cocaine from the men. After being arrested and charged, Ramon and Nathaniel were arraigned but released since they weren't given a bond while their trial dates were pending. Nathaniel departed Vermont, while Ramon moved to Burlington, Vermont where he lived with a 25-year-old woman named Legia Collins. On April 15, 2004, Bruce Maitland wrote a letter to the state's governor, expressing his frustration about the investigation, specifically about the lack of communication from investigators and the investigators not conducting an aggressive search. He wrote, quote, I think they're still treating this as a runaway. The crime scene was destroyed. The pictures show that there was snow on the ground, but you can't tell if Brianna's footprint was there, leading from the car or someone else's. The snow melted before we knew she was missing. As parents, we receive many tips we forward to police, are they acted on? Who knows? Police tell you nothing about what they are doing with your case and tips, but we know the results. Nothing. End quote. During the investigation, police considered the possibility that Brianna's disappearance may be related to the disappearance of 21-year-old Maura Murray, who disappeared five weeks earlier on February 9, 2004, while driving home to New Hampshire. Unfortunately, there was no connection or relation between the two cases. Chief Criminal Investigator for the Vermont State Police, Captain Bruce Lang, announced on June 9, during a news conference that investigators found no evidence to indicate the cases were committed by the same perpetrator, and also announced that police discovered Brianna was a drug user. Captain Land said, quote, Brianna owed someone money for drugs at the time of her disappearance. End quote. Lieutenant Nelson said, quote, Brianna made unhealthy lifestyle choices in her life prior to her disappearance. Brianna was involved in the drug communities in Franklin County. She allowed that world to become part of her world. End quote. Police failed to mention that the entire state of Vermont was under a drug epidemic. The state was a hotspot for drug dealers because most areas were rural and did not have a lot of law enforcement, which made the opportunity to sell drugs for serious profit easier and more abundant. Living in rural areas provides limited resources of activities, which can lead to individuals becoming desperate for entertainment. In an interview, a 15-year-old high school student explained, quote, Up here you have to go over 30 miles to see a movie or drive 50 miles to see to a live band or dance to music. A lot of us don't have cars or are too young to be able to legally drive. We don't even have a skating rink in this town. Drugs may be bad, but they make things a lot easier to take. End quote. Police had no right to judge Brianna, regardless if she was a drug user or not. Brianna's friend Shauna Lavelle said, quote, Brianna didn't do anything that nearly everybody her age in Franklin County didn't do. You can't go anywhere up here without running into drugs. Parties, parking lots, dances, the bathrooms in the high schools. End quote. After the news conference, Bruce and Kelly acknowledged they were unaware their daughter was a drug user and insisted she was not addicted because she would have been sent to rehab if there was any displayed sign of addiction. On July 4, 2004, Ramon Lyons reported Legia Collins missing to police. The Burlington police began investigating and found Legia's deceased body at the Green Mountain National Forest in Lincoln Gap, Vermont. Upon the search and discovery of Collins's body, Ryan stayed under wraps and successfully left the state. 
He was placed on Vermont's 10 most wanted fugitives after he fled. But Ryans was apprehended on May 23, 2005, in New York City when his drug lord turned him into investigators in exchange for $5,000. He was extradited to Vermont to stand trial on the raid in Berkshire that took place the previous year. After his extradition, it was reported that Ramon was going to provide information on Brianna Maitland to police in exchange for reduced drug charges. At one point, police claimed they had new leads from the information Ramon provided and told the Texas X search team, a search team that had the reputation of being one of the best in the United States, their service was not needed in the search for Brianna. Police never shared what information they obtained from Ramon. In June, Ramon pleaded guilty to possession of cocaine and marijuana and was sentenced 45 days to one and a half years, with all but the 45 days suspended. His 45-day sentence was later erased after being granted credit for time served. Bruce and Kelly followed up on many called-in sightings of Brianna. They searched along New York Interstate 87, all the way to Vermont 100. The closest sighting they had was a tip that Brianna was seen working at a nightclub in Boston, Massachusetts. When Bruce and Kelly went to the club, it was too good to be true. Bruce said, quote, there was a girl there who, if you weren't her father, you'd think was her. End quote. Bruce and Kelly searched dumping areas in the Missisquoi River with an underground camera. One tip that didn't seem credible was Brianna's body being dumped in a manure pit in Sheldon. However, Bruce and Kelly followed up on it anyway due to the numerous calls that were coming in about it. The manure pit was pumped and but there was still no sign of Brianna Maitland. In May 2005, the Maitland family received tips about a man named Jorge Soto, a resident of Springfield, Massachusetts, who was a known associate of Ramon Lyons. According to those tips, Jorge Soto who lived in Richford, Vermont on occasion, bragged to those around him that he was responsible for Brianna's disappearance and felt he was above the law. Upon questioning by investigators, Jorge admitted he lied to look tough to the community and his associates. Interestingly enough, after confessing to police he lied, Jorge continued to claim he was responsible for Brianna's disappearance and claimed he disposed of her body in a cornfield behind one of his previous homes. The Vermont State Police, Connecticut State Police, Northeast Kingdom, New England Maine Search and Rescue Dogs, Stowe Mountain Rescue, Vermont Fish and Wildlife, an Upper Valley Wilderness Response Team, all executed searches through Montgomery and Berkshire on October 10, 2005. It appeared there was a chance of finding Brianna Maitland alive when a tip was called in on January 17, 2006. The tipster was a resident of Vermont who told investigators he saw a woman who looked exactly like Brianna Maitland at the Caesars Atlantic City Hotel Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey. The tipster was able to provide the date he saw the woman, along with the table number she sat at, and noted that she spent one hour gambling. Caesars Atlantic City Hotel Casino provided the surveillance to investigators. The surveillance was shot from a ceiling camera and confirmed the tip. There was a woman who looked like Brianna Maitland at one of the gambling tables and appeared to be accompanied by a balding biker wearing a shirt with Bacardi rum logo. However, only part of the woman's face was visible which made investigators unable to confirm whether or not the woman was Brianna Maitland. When Bruce and Kelly were shown the surveillance, they agreed that the woman did look like Brianna and Kelly even believed it was her due to the mannerisms the woman on the surveillance displayed. Bruce however, could not say if he believed it was Brianna or not. 
The surveillance didn't have facial recognition software which allows surveillance to take still images of individuals and make a comparison with photos in law enforcement databases. So, this was just another dead end for law enforcement and Brianna's family. A woman named Ellen Ducharme was convicted and sentenced for the murder of Ryan's former roommate Legia Collins in July 2004. The Burlington Police Department reviewed a statement by Debbie Groton, the sister of Ellen Ducharme, which said Ramon Ryans murdered Brianna a week after she was reported missing, due to an argument the two got in over cocaine. The argument allegedly resulted from Brianna requesting a refund for the money she gave Ramon to purchase crack cocaine. On October 25, 2007, a pair of jeans was discovered in an area seven miles from the Black Lantern Inn, where Brianna was last seen. The jeans showed obvious signs of being left in the area for a decent amount of time before being discovered. This made police think they could belong to Brianna and provide a clue as to what happened. Ten state troopers completed a six-hour search on Saturday, October 27, 2007. The search, however, did not result in the discovery of any evidence. Police could not say if the pair of jeans belonged to Brianna Maitland. Her mother confirmed that the brand of the found pair of jeans was one of the brands that Brianna wore, but forensic testing later determined that the pair did not belong to Brianna Maitland. Yet another devastating dead end. Police announced on December 19, 2012, that serial killer, Israel Keys had been ruled out as a suspect in Brianna's disappearance, due to financial records showing he was not in Vermont on March 19, 2004. Israel Keys admitted being responsible for the murders of Bill and Lorraine Courier of Essex in 2011, for murders in Washington state, and for the deceased body dumped in New York. At one point, he was considered a possible suspect because he frequently traveled to the East Coast to visit his family and owned property in Constable, New York. Several years later, investigators announced on March 16, 2020 that DNA had been recovered from the interior of Brianna's car, but gave no further elaboration. The latest update on Brianna Maitland's case was on March 17, 2022. A DNA source was identified on an item near her car when it was discovered backed into the Dutch burn house on March 20, 2004. But nothing conclusive came from that discovery. There is still no suspect nor any idea of where she could be. Was she killed by drug dealers? Did she take off and leave the country? Is she still being held hostage somewhere after all these years? Nearly 20 years later, her family still has no answers and no closure. It was as if she vanished into thin air and never returned. Brianna Maitland was just a teenager when she disappeared and was possibly murdered. Her case went cold due to a lack of evidence and incompetent law enforcement. If officers acted more briskly the morning her car was discovered, would things look differently for her family for Brianna? The harsh reality is that we may never know.